Well, I reckon this is as good a time as any to rip that band-aid off. Ooh. Jean Grey? Yeah. Phoenix? Uh-huh. She never actually died. Oh, what now? We're going all around the Marvel Universe for this one, folks. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And by your sudden accent, I'm going to assume this is an episode of Retcon Wranglers. Retcon Wranglers! Yee-hoo! It's All been right. so long since I've been able to... I mean... On the podcast, at least. I, I talk to myself <laughs> in that voice all the time. Awesome. Worrisome amounts. All right, so we're doing a retcon Wranglers today. It's for one of the biggest backslaps to Claremont's storytelling legacy. Oh, yeah. That's a rough moment, this this little ditty that we're about to get into. Yeah, we're, we're merging our Claremont-run coverage with a retcon Wrangler. This is... Very exciting. Timing-wise, it it connects to, if you've been following along in our classic episodes, this builds off the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix, even a little touch point into Trial of Magneto. Oh, oh. Just happened to have this in my back pocket to pull out. there was a week with no new comics, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, normally we do these as extra episodes anyway. Um, Well, we have some news. Yep. Before. I mean, do you have any news before I go into my news? Well, I did want to mention before we get into it, we will have new comics next week. Yes. Praise be. <laughs> Hellions and Excalibur are coming. Praise Tarn. Praise Tarn. Oh, I can't believe I missed that. That's great. <laughs> but I got it. <laughs> we did have X-Men Green uh, uh, Infinity Comics this week. You Alicia did. did not do her homework. <laughs> She did not read. I said, do I have to read any comics? And you said, nope. And I said, okay, I'll lay on the couch, but I will read comics that I want to read for fun. Hey, that's a development in and of itself. We can talk about Infinity Comics, a double dose next week. All right, good. Great. I I like that answer. I make up the rules as I go. Why not? Who needs rules? No one. There was an interview in X-Men Monday with Jordan D. White about Inferno issue two. Oh, really? One thing to note. Well, two things. First being, there are going to be delays across the next couple months, right? Understandably so, that, so it's happening yeah, all over. Right. And so the the final issue of Inferno is actually going to come out on January 5th when Wolverine would have Was started. supposed to start. Right. <gasps> right. Well, but it'll be okay. It's fine. It'll you know, be okay. It is what it is. Someone did ask about hope. And yeah, what's up with and that? Her ability. So if, if you're only here for the classic stories and you're like, oh, I don't want any spoilers, I, I guess earmuffs for 30 seconds. You just do the little, little like 30 second fast forward. Yeah. And hope for the best. Yeah. So he basically said there has to be some telepaths on the island. There has to be someone nearby, you know. Oh, so just like a kind of a, kind of a cop out answer yeah. that doesn't really have enough specifics that satisfy the the question but but covers the basis of what it needs to be and that's understandable because well at the same time it's been it's been a couple times and we're like hey uh i was listening to house of x and i think i think it was chandler that asked this like doesn't hope feel who's nearby or whose powers she's assimilating because Mm. if she's trying to assimilate xavier's telepath right wouldn't she be like how come i can't get this from you right Interesting. Interesting. Interesting, indeed. 
And now, some news from you. News from me. Well, I have two things. Oh, two. Oh, two things. You weren't expecting that. You were only expecting one. The first of which is that this weekend, it's Rhode Island Comic Con. Oh, yes. So, we're not, you know, we haven't been talking much about it, but Rhode Island Comic Con is is our home con, and uh, Justin is working it. Yeah, this will be the second time I've worked it, and I feel like that's why... We don't really talk about it is because I'm not going as a fan. I'll still be able to go and enjoy occasionally. And if there's a panel I really want to go to, I can go pop out. But I will be working across the weekend with various people and things. And it's a great con. Yeah. And I will be attending on Saturday. And I actually just got asked to write a small article for Options Magazine, which is a local Rhode Island magazine. And I will be focusing on finding some creators who have um, LGBTQ plus characters in their stories. So I'll get to talk to a few of them, take some pictures of their booths um, and their comics and hopefully get that stuff out to the Rhode Island audience and beyond. So I'm excited about that and also excited that Peggy has a moment to shine uh, Captain Carter will be making an appearance on Saturday at I mean, Rhode Island Comic Con. Ironically, I got the shipping notice today from Hasbro Pulse that Captain Carter is coming to the mailbox near you. Ooh-hoo. Perfect timing. Marvel Legends action figure is on its way. So yeah, so I'm excited to actually get to be Peggy in a time when she is relevant because generally I am Peggy and people look at me and don't know who I am. So hopefully more people watched What If and they know what's up. And my second bit of news which you may have seen on our Instagram story, is that the other night we both watched the Generation X TV movie. and For the first time. I had never seen it. For the first time, Justin had never seen it. And we were gusting on another podcast. We were talking about it. kind of came up. And I was like, yo, let's do this tonight. Let's right watch now. this right now, instantly. It's free on YouTube. Let's go. I mean, I had a great time yeah. watching it. Yeah, it was fun. I love a cheesy, terrible movie. And I wouldn't say that it was terrible, but it was definitely nostalgic in <laughs> nostalgic the way... Nostalgic for a time I don't remember. Well, no, but but it was very 90s. reminiscent of a 90s movie. Like the fashion, the cheesy lines, the terrible CGI. like The villain doing a Jim Carrey impersonation. Yes, it was like someone was like, you know what you need to do? You need to be Jim just, Carrey. Just channel the Riddler and be that guy. Be that guy. And I just, I'm so, 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 so sorry, but I just don't know if the guy who played Banshee was just unsure of how to do an accent or if he was more of like a worldly Banshee who had little bits of, you know, like Scottish and British and Swedish and American, like all rolled up in him. And he just had lots of different accents, but I don't know. I really enjoyed it and I really wanted to talk about it and Justin was not super excited to talk about it because he doesn't have much to say. Oh, I have things to say. I just don't know if they're positive things to belabor across an entire episode. And I I do have an idea to potentially revisit it at another time. Interesting. I will say, of all the Emma Frosts I've seen, that was one of the best ones. I would agree. Um, But, but outside of live action movies, I would disagree well yeah i don't know the animated emma frost there's an animated one right that's 
that's what that's I mean. clearly outside of live action like, what else is there <laughs> well um, the paper dolls version of emma frost <laughs> but anyway i really liked it it was really fun i thought that was to funny what i did too <laughs> justin it was hilarious you're a freaking comedian over here yeah but i i i don't know i like watching a movie that other people find cringeworthy those kind of things make me i don't think it was happy. cringeworthy i just thought you know it was very of the time and it was very much so a TV movie, even though they were cursing as though it wasn't a TV yeah, movie. Yeah, and there were actually some questionable moments. Yeah, that... some extreme sexism slash uh, and just just not raunchy lines of dialogue that did not age well. We'll yeah. say that they yeah. did not age well. Rapey. Yeah, specifically that word was used. Dream rape, which I was not okay with. Any hoodle. That's my news. We watched that movie. It was fun. I. I actually was having a conversation on Instagram today with Chandler from X Reads podcast and I'm wearing an X-Men hoodie today and he messaged me and he said, I love how much of an X stan you have become. And You're welcome. I was like, yeah, it's kind of a problem. And then he asked me if I have converted any of my friends yet. And I was like, I haven't really tried, but I think there's a handful that I could if I wanted there's to. There's a handful that have been watching your stories and are preaching the good word of Emma Frost. That yes. is what seems to be yes. happening. Yes. But he was talking about my non-X-Men friends. No, I. so was I. Oh, yes. Your dance friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My dance friends are all for Emma Frost because Emma, Emma, get it, get it, Emma. Emma Frost. But this episode is all about Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey. Ugh. Okay, fine. A little bit of preamble. Some of this you might know. Claremont's initial vision was not to have Jean Grey die. Correct. At the end of the Dark Phoenix. Song. This I did know from that documentary that we watched. Rather, she would lose her powers as punishment for her crimes and return to Earth. For her crimes? Uh, genocide of an entire planet and destruction of spaceships all right fine those are crimes those are not her crimes though those those are are the phoenix's crimes those are capital c crimes i mean at this time they are the same being that's the that's the thing all right (laughs) dark phoenix saga was intended to be not guilty by a mental illness that's what i would say yeah pleading not guilty dark phoenix was intended to be part two of a three-part story so Phoenix, Dark, Dark Phoenix, Phoenix, and then the build to the third part. Which was going to be called... We didn't have a name. It didn't go. It so didn't it, go anywhere. Right, they went somewhere else. Jim Shooter, his editor at the time, agreed to this as the overall plan at the time of him writing it. But that was all before he saw the panels where she kills a planet's worth of asparagus people. Mm. So he, he asked to see pages of Uncanny X-Men 137... When he saw the pages that she destroys this planet, and he didn't think that that ending, the initial ending, was enough. The Dabari will not be so easily cooked as their vegetable counterparts. <laughs> you can actually read the original ending, which I did yesterday. Oh, really? In the Marvel Unlimited Accessible Phoenix, The Untold Story. Oh. Which. I mean, that's a cool image. It is, yeah. It's actually a really great image. Look at Storm. She's so amazing. So that original ending, she was removed of her powers and was just a regular human. The 
psychic rapport between her and Scott was eliminated. So she didn't love him anymore because she couldn't see inside his brain? Nobody's saying that. <laughs> At the end of that issue, it was actually really interesting. It was a conversation between all of the people that were involved in the story at the time and also louise jones who later becomes louise simonson Mm -hmm. who was the editor at the time of this production and i do have a image of what would have been a feature page instead of the opening splash of uncanny x-men 138 where there was a funeral so is this also the same journey for Cyclops that Chris Claremont wanted for him to be able to go. Was he going to go off with Gene and have a regular person life? Yes. Essentially, they, at least for not not in as much as what he wanted with Scott and Madeline later mm-hmm. on, because of where initially where it was going to go leading into Uncanny X-Men 150, they actually do talk about this in that issue of Phoenix the Untold Story where Magneto would try and manipulate Gene into accessing the Phoenix power again and Gene's strength of will and, and good nature would actually make her not susceptible to the basically the cosmic drug addiction that is the Phoenix's power. Interesting. Yeah, it actually It's interesting was too in cool. this cover. Is this a cover? Yes. You see Phoenix, but you also see Marvel Girl Gene. On the other side, yep. like battling and Phoenix this, Gene. And this is before the understanding that they are separate entities. Mm. So they talked about different possibilities. Claremont didn't want her to be jailed. The next arc of the X-Men would just be trying to get her out. There was a lot of arguments and they decided to kill her by having her sacrifice herself in issue 137. All that happened in 1980. Yes. And it was agreed, right, that... Chris said, if you kill her, you don't bring she her back. stays dead. Right. Like, if we're going to make this decision, then we're making this decision. And this isn't the comic book death. This is death. Right. But then, mean? six years later. Six years. That's a, that's a decent amount of time to remain dead, right? Yes. We, like I said at the beginning of this episode, are going all around the Marvel Universe. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. All around it. Avengers number 263. What lurks within the cocoon? What does lurk within the cocoon? Is that Namor? That is Namor. Hey, Namor. Now, we head off to a very familiar JFK International Airport right beside Jamaica Bay. Oh. These three villainous people in this airplane are up to a nefarious plan. They're known as the Enclave. Nefarious. They suspect that they're being held for takeoff so the cops can arrive and capture them, which actually later we find out is correct, that they were on to their plots. So they take off without approval and almost collide into this 747. Oh, no. There was not clear airspace for you, you nefarious goons. Diverting into Jamaica Bay. Oh, no. And an explosion. Stan Lee presents startling secret of what lurks below. Before we get too far into this, this is written by Roger Stern, pencils by John Buscema, inks by Tom Palmer, colors by Christy Shalee, and letters by Jim Novak. 
I guess at that point I should probably just do a um a digital page turn noise. Sure. We're in it. We're in it. Cut to the Avengers headquarters. Captain America, the Wasp, and the Black Knight hearing from their government liaison that he's furious that Namor has joined the Avengers. Furious? Why? Who cares? Well, Namor does not have the best of a track record with the surface world. He's very... Uh, has at times been considered a villain and is basically operating for his own means for his country and his people. Yes. Which makes sense. That makes I mean, sense. he's a villain in the sense that he's not a human doing human things. Mm-hmm. Not a human doing human things. As Namor gets his tour of the Avengers complex. Wait, that is her. That's the, that's the, what's her name? Captain Marvel. Yeah, but. Captain Marvel, the second Captain Marvel. Not exactly. Well, the okay, first so she was Captain the first Marvel. Captain Marvel, the MCU second Captain Marvel, sure. whose name I is escaping me, but she was in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought when I saw the image earlier. What is her name? Monica Rambeau. Yes, Monica Rambeau. I should have said it earlier. I knew it the whole time. Along with Hercules. I was going to say, who's this other guy? <laughs> Ah, it's Hercules. Oh, right. Of course. It's not that. That's not my Hercules. Yeah. Your Hercules says. Ironically, just as a strange little tie-in. Oh, yeah. The Jim Carrey-esque bad guy in the Generation X movie also plays Panic in Hercules. Your Hercules. My Hercules. So we hear these complications in Captain Marvel is not having any of it. This this fight breaks out between Namor and Hercules. Namor essentially wants to take Hercules' room. It's oh, a lot of goodness. infighting in the Avengers, not wholly related to our story. So Captain Marvel flies off. She's enjoying a rooftop sit where she sees the explosion happening in Jamaica oh. Bay and heads off. Gotta go check it out. They've set a dive team to go and find out what's going beneath the surface. Looks like those divers just got ejected from the water. Exactly. Thrown out. So Monica goes down beneath the surface and sees what is happening below there and finds this cocoon-like device, which is relatively connected to the Enclave. So they think that this must be their next plot. Ah, this is what they were up to. This is why they needed to get out of here so quickly. And we've got a full team investigation. Now, this cocoon at the bottom of the bay is emitting a lot of power, a lot of energy. What could it be? So the full team goes to check it out and are essentially in a battle. <gasps> a battle? With what? The energy emitted from this cocoon, blasting into them and keeping them at bay. At times, Janet... The wasp can hear a voice from inside. Oh, no. The fight continues. Where are her wings? She retracts them. They're not underwater wings. They're wasp wings. Wasps. Yeah, but that, aren't they just part of her uniform? I don't understand. Yeah. So she's able to get in close to the cocoon. And they decide, let's bring it back home. Because that's what you do when you find a destructive cocoon that's threatening the powers of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. You, you bring it back home. Well, you know, you have to take it to your turf so right. you can be on your best, so you can have your retractable wings out. Right. And as they do that, they're called back to JFK International Airport Uh-oh. to mop up the mess Uh-oh. that was created. So, By the explosion? Right. So some of them leave while some stay. 
So they leave this Now they've powerful separated cocoon. themselves. They've, they've split up the team. Who's this lady inside here? And we see just briefly the image of a woman inside the cocoon as she says, Scott? Scott. She don't look like no Jean Grey I ever seen. Tune in next time for Like a Phoenix. Tune in next time, a.k.a. right now. Tell me more. Uh, no, it's next no, episode. Justin, this is not happening. This was that was five minutes. Yep. Give me more. What'd you think so far? You like the Avengers? You like you like getting a little insight into this your boy Cap? My boy. Did you see Wasp's wings in the last couple <laughs> panels? She had them. Good for her. Not not having any of this. It's not that I'm not having it. I'm here. Okay. It's just I'm not gonna say it. I don't need to be shunned by the community. What? I don't care that much for Jean Grey. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, tell me the story. How come she's strawberry blonde now? She lost hair color while she was gone for six years. She looks nothing like herself. Oh, she's suddenly a redhead again in the Fantastic Four. Well, maybe that was just the colorist making a color error. You know, I don't know. It's, it's like Jean Grey's hair is pretty iconic, my this friends. Is, this is a different art team. Fantastic Four. <laughs> Fantastic Four, number like 286, a like a phoenix. So they're expecting you to bop around to, is this a crossover event? It's not even really a crossover event. It's just If really, you happen to read all of these comics, you'll get the full story. You'll get the full story. And I don't know if they advertise, you know, back then there wasn't the internet. So you right. weren't getting previews months in advance to get solicitations. Basically, you walked in the shop, you saw it on the spinner rack and you bought it and then Hopefully. So maybe they're like, okay, most people are reading the Avengers, so we'll start it out in Avengers, and then they'll see through that that they need to start even, picking I don't up even, these other. The Avengers was never really their most popular title. At this time, 1986, Uncanny X-Men is their most popular title. So the fact that this issue of Fantastic Four, which was previously their most popular title in the 70s, that would maybe draw you in because you see Jean Grey, you see the X-Men logo... Like a phoenix. Oh, wow. I guess I got to know what's Where's up with this. Where's the X-Men logo? Oh, right there. Ooh, it's pretty big. Special Alicia. appearance by the Uncanny X-Men. You want to give us a digital page turn noise? That was a huffy one. Yeah, seriously. You all right? Yeah, it just didn't come out right, but I just went with it. Oh, we're back in space. Like a phoenix. Written and penciled by you-know-who. Which, come on. <laughs> Who's you know who? Chris Claremont? It's John Byrne, who was the artist slash co-plotter on the Dark Phoenix saga. Well, I don't know who, John. There you go. John Byrne and Jackson Geese on pencils, Terry Austin on inks, Glynis Oliver on colors, and John Workman on letters. Written by who? John Byrne. So this isn't written by Chris Claremont? It's a Fantastic Four issue. But to bring back the Phoenix and their... And Chris isn't even doing it. This is why. This he, is blasphemous. He, did, he didn't want. I know he didn't want it, but he also didn't want new mutants. And he wrote those. Yeah, but that's a different story. That's that's contained in his own books. And listen, no wonder he's bitter. I mean, he is listed on the fandom page as a writer. But I think that that might just be because of the amount of plot that is connected to the Dark Phoenix. This, this is, is an outrage. He was about to quit Marvel over this. I he understand why. He found out on a Friday night, I believe they say in the documentary, when the 
offices were closed. He wasn't able to contact them. He wasn't able to yeah, tell they know what they were doing. Jim Shooter that he was going to quit. And he just had to stew about it for a weekend. Like a phoenix, let's go. Fantastic Four. Hey, is that She-Hulk? That is She-Hulk, yes. Look at me, look at me. She-Hulk is a member of the Fantastic Four, replacing Thing for a brief time. What? He was on Battle World and then quit the team after he came back. It was a lot Why of is there love so- okay, problems. What's, what's happening in this panel that we need to have a close-up of She-Hulk's butt? Uh, puberty is happening. Little boys reading comics. Puberty is happening. Butts everywhere. That's a really, that's just like one big butt cheek. As they're coming back from a space mission, there's no room to land at JFK. There's something happening. Something happened. They can't land their ship, but it's okay. Why are they landing a spaceship at JFK anyway? This is the Fantastic Four. They land wherever they want, except not when air traffic control tells them no. Reed's like, do you need our help? There's a problem? No, don't worry. No, no, we don't need you. The Avengers are here. So they've been diverted to LaGuardia and (laughs) will taxi to Avengers Mansion. Because they want to know what's up. But also because it's their current home base. Because their previous home base was destroyed. A lot is happening. I mean, I I don't expect you to know all these things because they're in titles that you're not reading and no one's explaining to you. Truth. So we do a everybody get in here as... The Fantastic Four collide with the Avengers. Quick, everybody, one room. And they catch them up. We already oh, know look what at, happened. Look at She-Hulk and Hercules. Well, th- there's actually an, uh, a comment about that later on because She-Hulk is kind of in a relationship with Johnny Storm's former college roommate. Oh, no, girl. And, well, that's just Hercules being Hercules. He'll He'll... Hercules being Hercules, that looks like She-Hulk is the one in charge of that situation. Well, he, She's dipping him. Yeah, but that's just to, to set him off and to then go away the other direction. At least that's how it's explained, you know? All right. Wait, and let's see this cocoon of doom. Oh, no, that sounds Mr. Fantastic flying. Yeah, so it looks safe, but still throwing a lot of heavy power as Reed touches it and is blown back, saved by Jump Sue. Back, Reed. With this invisible force field catching him. Good job, Sue. Somehow, and I think this is ridiculous, somehow Sue can use her powers to see through the cocoon. She can make the visible invisible. All right, well. And after struggling with it for a little while, we see it's a woman, a human woman. Ah, that looks like Jean Grey. A few pages of research. And oh, look, she has like partially strawberry blonde strands. Maybe as she's being exposed to the real world, her hair is turning back to the natural color. Well, you know, it might have been the fact that it was obscured by the light of the cocoon. It might also be because John Byrne worked on X-Men comics, so he knows what she should have looked like. And they didn't really do their research at the time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. But this pod has intense defenses. The woman inside seems to be... Defending it herself. Oof. They crack it open. Here comes Jean? Jean? What happened to the bottom of your outfit, girl? I don't know if you recognize this outfit. No. But her dialogue is somewhat of a name that issue. Your rotten little game is finished, Lang. Your so-called ex-sentinels are falling apart. Now it's your turn? Confusion on your face and on hers. What outfit is this? What's happening? Do you remember the name Lang? Yes. From what? No, I, you didn't ask me that. You said, <laughs> do you remember the name Lang? What's his first name? 
Henry. Stephen. <laughs> Don't know. Do you remember the X-Sentinels? Yep, they're kind of sentinel. They're kind of sentinel that look like the X-Men. This is a bad look for me right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So the Phoenix Saga. Yes. When they go and are captured. It's like Christmas and they're in New York City. Mm-hmm. They get captured by the Sentinels and brought to the moon. And then Stephen Lang unveils his plot to kill them with other versions. It's the X-Men versus X-Men on the issue 100 cover. Yep. Wolverine at one point had cut her dress. This is all what, what she's referencing. Oh. That's why her dress is all tattered up. I see. But how'd she get to be that version of herself? Well, exactly. The continuity experts calls them out. You're you're not the Fantastic Four. They wear blue. They are wearing blue. No, it's black. It just looks blue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even... Okay, I'm fine. It's actually a, a pretty good deduction on her part to assume that Lang has the ability to make X-Sentinels. He probably can make Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four Sentinels, Sentinels too. So she is all sorts of triggered and ready to fight off these oh, robots. It's interesting that now that I see the back of her dress, I it brings me more like clarity and memory than the front. Yeah, it had nothing to do with me telling you. <laughs> that is quite rude. Okay, I just meant I visually f- remember before I was faking it. Ah, There's <laughs> an interesting gap in memory here, though, that's not explained. Right. She has no idea what's going on. She's wondering what's going through everyone's minds, why they're attacking her. Who, why How did working, we get here? Why right? are you in black costumes? Where's Lang? Blue? And then bop to the face. Bop. Who bopped her? As the invisible woman introduces herself. And Jean's like, woman, you are the invisible girl. Your records are off, Lang. Because she's from eight years ago when she was referred to as the Invisible Girl, not the Invisible Woman. Oh. Marvel Girl never got to level up her name. To she, be Marvel Woman. Marvel Woman. She just went to the Phoenix and then went back to Jean Grey. Oh, dear. And she's curious as to why her telepathy didn't warn her that Sue was coming. She must be a robot. Obviously. But Sue's got these force fields and is able to block, trap, and her hands subdue up her. And say, Hold up. Hold up, Jean. We gotta talk Jean. for a second. We're gonna do some mime games. So they discover that this is Marvel Girl of the X Men, who hasn't been seen in years, and they convince her that they are who they say they are. And we get a what little year is it? We get a brief recap of what she does remember: the issues of Uncanny X Men number ninety eight, ninety nine, and one hundred. Memories get fuzzy as to what happened after Lang. I have to talk to Professor Xavier. Well, the X-Men are actually associating with a known criminal, so no. And she's like, what? Magneto? How can that be? Right? How can that be? You know. Because Charles is dead. Charles is not dead. You saw him go off into space with a space world girlfriend. He's not dead. In my headcanon, he's dead. He's not dead. (laughs) Magneto is now in charge of the X-Men, and and Jean doesn't understand. Look at her face. Yeah, she's 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 blown away. She's so upset. I mean, wouldn't you? Your mortal enemy? Your, the guy that's been fighting you since you were a teenager? Yeah. I mean, not me. I would be like, yeah, Magneto. But if I was Jean. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we can't go see the X-Men, let's go to my parents' house. I don't know if you remember this artifact, this holempathic matrix crystal that was created to essentially house the essence of Jean Grey. 
So kind of like a, a memory keepsake left mm-hmm. for the parents. Yes. This has made a couple of appearances recently in recently at, at this point to mm-hmm. Uncanny X-Men where Rachel wanted to get to know a little bit more about her mom, who in her time is supposed to be alive, and her mom. Mm-hmm. Now, this life force representation shouldn't be here at the same time that she is. Like, if this is made, Jean should be dead. Dun, dun, dun. Look at Captain America. He is trying to figure it out. Let me call Beast on the computer phone. Yeah. Well, Beast knows all about Jean, all about the X-Men. He's a expert of the team. She grabs this Matrix crystal and is flooded with memories. Oh, the memories. The fuzzy memories that she can't remember from Uncanny X-Men 100 into 101. Mm. Right? The spaceship that's Dr. Peter Corbeau, where she awkwardly, telepathically assumes his... Awkwardly, telepathically is a nice way to put that phallic image there. You remember this from the issue itself? <laughs> yes. If you remember anything, you got to remember that. Uh-huh. But then, as she's trying to pilot the ship, something approaches her. A power of light. Everybody else is just kind of in the room watching as this is happening. Yeah, who is that? I don't. I want to know that as well. It's a phoenix. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am fire, a force of life. You called out. For aid, I answered. She wants them. She She's just trying to save the X-Men. She's trying to save her friends. She doesn't care if she dies. And this force says, especially Scott. She's like, how do you, how do you know that? How do you know who Scott is? My consciousness, my form, and its ability to communicate on this plane of existence derive from you. They provide an awareness of your dominant emotions and memories. Oh, snap. So she's essentially getting this full read of who Jean Grey is Mm -hmm. and then forms a physical shell that essentially copies Jean Grey's body. Wait a minute. So this is saying that the Phoenix was never actually Jean? Correct. That the Phoenix was actually the cosmic entity, the Phoenix, come in and replicate Jean Grey, her emotions, her memories, her hopes, dreams, desires... And then sent Jean Grey off in a little pod to disappear until she appeared six years later. And then put her into a cocoon. But uh, Jean can't make sense of it. She's, I, I'm not Phoenix. I'm Jean Grey. She faints. Like the 90s classic Jean Grey so, that we all know wait, and love. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So if this is saying that Jean was never actually the Phoenix... The Phoenix just replicated Gene. Yep. Then how later on, let's talk X-Men Red for a second. How does Gene have the power of the Phoenix still? Well, we're not talking about that right now. Oh, that is just upsetting. We're talking about the resurrection, the death of Gene Grey. Because technically, technically, they have not gone back on what they said. Jean Grey never died. That, if I was Chris Claremont, <laughs> I would throw a table at you right now. That's what, basically what he did. He threw a table. She never died. She's uh, dead. This is ridiculous. And she's losing her mind because of what's happening. You know, she just doesn't know how to deal with it. And the Avengers are like, you know, we need to. Well, Mr. Fantastic is like, you know, I can't contact the X-Men. 
because they're criminals. Because of Magneto, because they're, they're all with, criminals now? They're associating with their own criminal. The, Magneto is a supervillain at the highest level, according to these, the noble heroes of the Marvel Universe. The fact that the X-Men are running around with Magneto... Shouldn't that tell you maybe we should trust Magneto now? Didn't he just save a bunch of people yeah. from Fenris? But they weren't there. They didn't read Uncanny X-Men 200. I'm sure they read the news. No, Fantastic Four were in space and the Avengers don't have time to read the news. This is outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> but Reed knows who he can call. Oh, and who is that? Xavier in space? No. Thank God. We'll find out in the first issue of X Factor. Let's go. What do you think about this? No, no. What do you mean Haven't no? we had this conversation every time we do a multi-issue retcon wrangler? You're so upset. I am so upset. I think that it's interesting. You're, you it's hate, an interesting you, you twist. You hate the retcon. I mean, I do too. And the fact that it upsets Claremont and, and kind of really goes back on everything. I think that if I didn't, if the if the story of what happened of saying, listen, if we're going to kill Jean, she's going to actually be dead. And the whole sneaky business and the shady business of doing it and not telling him until there wasn't anything he could do about it and all of that, I might not actually hate it as much. Yeah. Because it is an interesting way of bringing her back. Yep. However, the sheer fact that I know that later on she somehow still has the Phoenix Force because I know that because I'm smart now. I have knowledge of things. That is infuriating to me for you to say like, oh, we're not talking about that right now. So they retcon this so they can do what they want and then they retcon their retcon. Yeah, or the fact that the Phoenix reached out to her and communicates with Jean Grey, recognizes her as a powerhouse, has some connection to her ability to serve as a Phoenix host so, But the on. second time, she doesn't need to... That doesn't make any sense. So the first time, the Phoenix is like, hey, what's up, Jean? All right, I recognize you. I recognize you need me. And in order to do what I need to do, I need to create a duplicate of you and just send you away. Yep. And then the second time the Phoenix is like, what's up, Gene? I'm going to live inside you. Like yeah. I like yeah, you maybe. thought I did the first time, but I changed that because I wanted to bring you back to life. Well, the Phoenix read this retcon. No, that is ridiculously <laughs> not the right answer. <laughs> X Factor number one. X Factor number one. Because you demanded it. The dramatic return of the original X-Men. Interesting to blame the consumer on this. Yeah. The consumer did not demand this. They were originally going to have it be the four guys and Dazzler. Why didn't they have Dazzler? I don't know if anyone was demanding that combination, especially knowing that Cyclops had essentially retired from superheroics. Mm. The other three guys had just recently been on the Defenders and were in the process of retiring from being superheroes. So the original X Factor is the original five X-Men just in a different different setting, yep. different time. Right. Different costumes. And so they saw this potential, the fact that these four guys were available. They thought the combination of the original five would boost sales. So they went to work on this idea of how do we get Jean Grey back without removing the fact that she died. Woof. All right. Page turn noise. You're so upset. Third Genesis. Interesting that they call this third Genesis. Giant Size X-Men was called second Genesis. No mention of... Genesis for the New Mutants. New Mutants is a title at this point. Oh, this is going to break my little heart. That's Madeline and baby Nathan. 
This is going to break your heart. Cyclops is just going to peace out. He's just going to be the jerk. Isn't we he? can never grow to love Cyclops unless we acknowledge this dark point in his history. This character assassination of Scott Summers. Just take the first section of that. We can never <laughs> grow to love Cyclops. Written by Bob Layton. <laughs> Pencils by Jackson Geese. Inks by Bob Layton, Jackson Geese, and Joseph Rubenstein, which lets you know that it was rushed. <laughs> when you have that many people inking on it, it's like, ah, we got to get this out. Mm-hmm. Colors by Petra Scotzi, Max Sheely, and Glynis Oliver. Letters uncredited. Mm. Yeah, no no acknowledgement for the letters. Interesting. We don't need to tell any... We don't need to tell anybody who wrote this one. Well, the letters didn't. Penciled it. Right. They write it in. Yeah, but they can't have, then no, can, Chris can't come for anyone. They're safe. Their identity remains a secret. There you go. So, home life in Alaska. Scott as a retired superhero. Alaska. What a choice. All right. Well, that's where Madeline grew up. Oh. That's where she's from. I see. And. Oh, God. Cyclops is the Arthur meme. Look at his oh. face. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I Pull love that it. out. Save that for the Instagrams. Scott just can't walk away from the mutant struggle. Arthur meme. <laughs> and Maddie calls him out. So he's watching this news report. Maddie calls him out for it. Don't you think I know the only reason you came back to us at all is that you bombed out in your bid to lead the X-Men? Don't you think it hurts knowing that? Just like it hurts knowing why you married me in the first place? Because I reminded you of your old flame, the late but not forgotten Jean Grey. Oh, my God. Yeah, Listen, this is savage. That's legit. Okay? It's totally though, legit. Because she was pregnant. She was about to have the baby. And Scott was off with the X-Men. All the X-Men giving, giving her a call, checking in. Maddie, how you doing? Scott, right. nothing. Well, and, and you know, but we haven't actually gone through the issue. We've only referenced it a handful of times. That's X-Men 200. Mm-hmm. X-Men 201. Scott basically says, yeah, I understand I have a baby, but I'm going to fight Storm to be the leader of the X-Men. I don't care about family life. Scott. Later that night, Scott has trouble sleeping. Mm, Well, he should have trouble sleeping because he is being a mean, bad dude. Yeah. He wasn't there for the... how much Woody chops with his laser eyes. (laughs) He wasn't there for the birth of the baby. He was trapped in Asgard and then vacationing in Paris. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're really playing up the similarities between Maddie and Jean in this. She's still on his mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just the face that Maddie's making at the bottom. Heartbreaking. But we won't get any more of that right now. Oh, no. We're going off to Angel's base, his home. Him where flying in his tiny shorts. They are defenders no more. Angel, Iceman, and Beast were all part of the defenders. The team ended in issue 152, and they... We're each going to retire from superheroics and lead more normal lives. Everybody just wants to have a life. They just want to ha- be happy. Claremont wants to phase characters out. That was Bring his whole in thing. New characters. And they literally they took that idea and are making a mockery of it in this issue. They're That's like, ridiculous. yeah, the heroes even want to retire, but we're not going to let them. We're not going to let them. Hank is going to go teach at Empire State University. Bobby accepted a job as an accountant, and Warren is. Going to be rich and live with his girlfriend. Because He's going to be Warren. That's Warren. That's what he does. There's a nice scene that we don't have here of a construction crew that kind of almost dies and they all save them. 
pining for the days of being a superhero. They're all excited. Oh, man, that was so great. Oh, man, I wish I was still there, but not really, but kind of. Hank and Bobby leave, but there's a bag that Hank has left. Who's that? Who's what? In the bathing suit. Candy Southern, his girlfriend. Oh. Who was actually his girlfriend when Jean Grey as Phoenix made out with him. Made out with him. Yeah, I think this was actually in that same home. A bag has been left for you. Oh, look. With an old a photo. photo of all the old X-Men. Do nice, you feel sad now? Nice nostalgic Don't touch. Don't you want to be an X-Man again, Angel? Reed Richards is calling on the phone. I'm on my way. No time to explain. Gotta go. Sorry, lady. <laughs> we get a little fiery interlude. A sailor, Rusty Collins, and a lady that he accidentally lights on fire with the first manifestation of his mutant powers. Oh, no. Rusty. He's just, he's just a nice guy. Not trying to do stuff, and this woman's like, "Come on, I'm gonna make out with you. Let's go out in the alleyway." And okay, I'm gonna just light you on fire. He gets turned on a little too much. Oopsies. Uh, his mutant powers and kind of his name are similar to Russell from Deadpool Two, Firefist. Ah, Russell. The fateful phone call. So it's seems as though all things are about to be patched up between Scott and Maddie. When Warren calls the house. That's impossible. What is he saying? Yes, I'll be there. I need to go to New York today. Well, tell him you can't make it. I can't do that, Maddie. Oh my God, I can't. What's about to happen? If you walk out that door, don't you bother coming back. I'm sorry, Maddie. I have to go. Why don't you tell her what it is, you dirty jerk? I mean, what's he going to say? My... Ex-girlfriend is resurrected, and I have to go and see. Exactly. He won't say it because he knows it's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. I mean, that's why this is this is out of character in my mind. This is a... Not my mind. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just <laughs> well, that's kidding. Not in your mind because you just are looking for reasons to despise certain characters. I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's character assassination because Scott grew up as an orphan. And yes, you've seeded some rocky feelings between him and Maddie at this moment. But regardless, I don't think he would just leave his wife and kid like that. But he wasn't even going to go with them in the first place. And I feel like that was starting to be seeded as well. I'm not entirely sure when Claremont knew that these things were happening, that these were already in motion. I'm assuming by around that so that it kind of leans towards the fact that he's setting some emotional distance between him and Maddie. Look at look at that last panel. She's so sad. She's very sad. I don't know what happens in Inferno, but now I think everybody deserves it. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah, kind of. Like, you just broke her heart. You just ripped it apart. So good, burn it all to the ground. You deserve it. Scott goes to New York. <sighs> Where is she? The less talked about love triangle between Warren, Scott, and Jean, which isn't really a love triangle because Warren just kind of like Hercules loves everything that moves. I just remembered that like from even issue one. Right. Yeah. Warren. Oh, where are you going? Ooh, a lady. I want her. I want her. I want her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Warren hasn't told her anything about Scott, about what's going on, what she's missed in the six years that she's been dead. This is messed up. Somebody should have said, Jean, listen, you've been gone for six years scott has another lady and a baby so you need to respect that yeah somebody should have said it whether it's warren or anybody else 
or Scott or himself. Or Scott himself. Because uh, he doesn't really tell her. Oh my her. God, he didn't even wait two seconds and he's making out with well, her. She jumps in his arms and even in that fourth panel, Gene, I... I, I Gene, I, I, uh, never mind. I'll Scott, just you're crying. I've never seen you cry before. It's okay. I understand how you must feel. Actually, you don't. My emotions. I mean, listen, I understand. I can very much sympathize with the idea that you, you love someone, you think you're going to marry that person, and then they die. And then eventually you move on. And then they, you find out they're not actually dead. I yeah. get that that's a lot for Time you, Time to move on like, with someone that looks almost exactly, exactly like your like, dead I, ex-girlfriend. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get that this is difficult for you. I get that this would be difficult for anyone in any situation. But I'm getting the feeling that he just like literally just never goes back to Maddie now. Does he even like tell her what's going on? Does he have a conversation with her? Like, so basically this is saying, I don't actually care about Maddie. I only care about Jean and baby Nathan. Sorry. So you know what? That makes me even more mad. Like, how dare you even try in the Krakoan age to pretend that you're Nathan's dad. Don't even act like a father. Go away, Scott. Oh, go away, Scott. Uh, I I knew we were going to have to talk about this issue at one point. (laughs) The Claremont run. Yeah. He even said, well, if you're trying to rebuild Scott in her mind, maybe avoid X Factor number one. It's <laughs> like, ah, we have to talk about it at some point. You can't not talk about X Factor Listen, at all. I'm not saying that I don't sympathize with him or I don't feel for him. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't even try to work things out and he just up and leaves, that's messed up. Yep. Because I get it. I get that Jean is the love of your life and she's magically come back. But don't, don't have absolutely no respect for your wife and child yeah well he he doesn't tell her that he's married someone else while she's dead and warren interrupts immediately saying i hope i'm not interrupting as i interrupt immediately oh my god because he's just trying to wedge between well you know what good for you warren wedge yourself and we get a little bit of an explanation as to what's going on this this curious retcons trying to explain but telling you everything you already know and scott's like why are you telling me all this i already know all this yes i was there like you weren't even there warren how do you have all this information (laughs) but we get the details of the dark phoenix saga as gene died a hero her humanity had in the end defeated her corrupted power that poor creature why are you talking about the phoenix like they were somebody else dramatic pause because they We get this Avengers recap. The Phoenix was a separate entity that had perfectly duplicated Jean's body and personality. Too perfectly, since Jean's heroism caused the entity's self-destruction. That's why she sacrificed herself. (laughs) The eye roll, friends. Oh my god, her head just fell back. Her eyes rolled so hard. X-Men. And we get the fallout. Jean's lost her telepathic powers, but her telekinesis has been amped. As we discuss, mutant kind is on the verge of extinction, and she's freaking out about it. Well, yes, that's something to freak out about. We can't join the X-Men because Magneto's in charge. Oh, God, get over it. We have to do something. <laughs> join as, the X-Men. As both of the guys are like, well, I'm retired from the hero biz, and Scott not so willingly, is also retired because Storm kicked his butt. And Jean's not having any of it. And she tears through the building and flies off. All right, Jean. 
Scott's losing it. He can't go after her. He's all messed up from the whole Maddie Jean of it all. Yes, that's understandable. I feel bad. He doesn't know how to move forward. Make better choices, Scott. Make better choices. Maybe talk early on. This goes on for a while. Talk to your wife? Yeah. This goes on for an uncomfortable long time. What do you mean? Like many issues? Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> and the fact that like everybody else knows about everything. Warren flies after Gene and has a plan, has an idea. And we cut two weeks later while Academia is two being weeks. very frank with Hank. He keeps on getting denied, rejected from research positions. Because he's a mutant? Because he's a mutant. Unacceptable. The schools don't want to endanger their standings and representation. That is so rude. So he, he jumps out the window. <laughs> because that's how you do it when you're mad. Yeah. He's like, well, you want me to be a he, mutant? I'll be a not mutant. Not only does he jump out the window, but shirt. he removes his shoes and shirt yep. and tie and has just red pants on. Beasts out. Conveniently, a shadowy figure sent by Warren is hanging out by the tree outside and recruits Hank to come with him. Come with me, Hank. As he also calls Bobby at his accounting job <laughs> and lets him know, hey, Come by. We're getting the band back together. Well, it doesn't say that all, but come by and, and talk to Warren. You got to hear some stuff. And we meet up at this fancy waterside location, a new helicopter outside bringing them in. Unknown purpose of the meeting, Warren's new corporation headquarters, as he reveals. And then the bomb drop as Gene Dun, walks in. It's, hi, I'm Gene. Everyone's happy. Well, almost everyone. As Look at, look oh, at how look wrecked at he is. Scott understandable i get like i said i'm just gonna keep saying it i understand that it's a very difficult decision but you don't just abandon you have a conversation divorces happen okay they happen sure yeah i mean we don't know uh, two weeks yeah so two weeks has gone by exactly and that's what's made him ragged that's the amount of time that he hasn't called his wife to let her know that would be like an absolute mess if you ever were like I got to go. And I was like, don't go. And you were like, sorry, I'm out. And then I didn't hear from you for two weeks. Yeah. You know, there are, are people that read Scott as autistic. Okay. Okay. And that social cues and understanding of conversation. And I don't know the legitimacy of this, but, you know, if, if you leave, never come back. Mm-hmm. You could take you that, take that literally, literally and just, I have to go. I have to see this for myself. And then he never comes back. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a potential read, but yeah. Yes, and that, I can't argue with it. Like, it right. makes sense. Right. So Scott's a wreck because he's mourned Jean, and, and seeing her alive is driving him crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And what about Madeline? Exactly. Who said that? Scott says, what about Madeline? Oh, he at least said it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, he's, he's at least quietly in turmoil about his situation to himself. The fact that Hank is like, well, we have a chance. To be together like the good old days. Forget your wife and hang out with the boys. Ah, uh, beast. You butthole. As we meet, for the first time, Cameron Hodge, <gasps> the shadowy figure that had recruited them. Cameron Hodge? The PR representative for this project. Wait, what? Project PR? What are you talking about? <sighs> what is it going to be? We need to locate and gain the trust of the growing population of mutants. Train them to control their um, gifts and return 
them to life as they know it. No, I don't trust you, Cameron Hodge. Beast is getting the vibes of it. This kind of sounds like Professor X's mission initially. It's not. So what we're going to do, we're going to capitalize on the distrust that humans have. And immediately say no, because he said capitalize. Our organization will capitalize on that human being distrust of mutants by posing as a mutant deterrent agency. Everyone freaks out. Posing. People who suspect a mutant will call us, will investigate in disguise, but in reality will isolate and protect the people who possess the X-Factor mutation. And will name the organization X-Factor. X-Factor. Mutant investigations and resolutions. No need to be fearful any longer. Our skilled team of experts will aid you in finding the answers to one of the most urgent problems of our time. Call our number. Operators are standing by. Visa and MasterCard accepted. That is... Not going to end well. Here are some potential ads that we can run, that we can air. And Scott's like, what? These can't be possible. Like, when, when do you have these going up? Well, actually, they've been airing already. Oh, geez, Louise. So things are already in motion. This. So you don't you want to be involved to make sure I'm not up to some stuff? Right. Do you know who Cameron Hodges? You know the name? Where where do you remember him from? The cartoon. That's good. And I know other stuff. I just can't place it right now. Yeah. No, that, that I mean that's good because that doesn't like spoil where he goes. So I know he's a bad guy. He's not the best. He's a bad man. That's what I know. We check back in with Rusty as oh, he's oh poor Rusty locked in jail. But he his, didn't mean it. His chief. Goes to kill him before he can be transferred to a location that will test and and work with him. Ugh. Because the chief was a friend of the woman that he maimed. But he didn't mean it. This threat makes him explode out of jail. He's on the loose. He's going through late puberty. Yeah. The chief wants to cover this up. He doesn't want people to know the truth. The fact that he essentially told Rusty that he was going to kill him. And conveniently sees the advertisement for X Factor on the TV. So he calls and hires X Factor. And we get our first mission. They're all called in. Scott's having trouble with it. But he takes their fancy new jet and goes. The last couple of pages of the issue, we get Rusty on the run as our team catches up with him. And they fight him in their actual superhero outfits, the other side of their disguise. Superheroes. Horsh. I'm rusty. Scott's got his inner turmoil about how this is what he's meant to be doing. This feels so right. As they capture and secure Rusty. They bring him back to the chief and it's like, well, you don't want us to leave him with you, do you? Like, uh, no, you take him to one of those places where you take him. Like, okay, great. But there is one thing to settle is the bill for our services. This guy freaks out. $42,000. Jeez Louise. Big old payday. And they explain the whole thing to Rusty on the last page. But that's not the only thing happening on the last page. Those final three panels at 3.30 a.m. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry looking at them. As Look Madeline at her. sees the X Factor logo and advertisement staring into the photo. That's so sad. Of Scott Summers. This is terrific. Look at her. She's so sad. I know. It's an intense image. 
so sad. The one where she's like, the room is dark and the light of the TV. Well, just the fact that it's 3.30 in the morning. She's up at night because her husband has is been gone missing. for multiple weeks. And, and now she sees this and she's like, oh, that's where he is. But also, why would she think that's where he is if they're advertising that they hunt down mutants? I don't know if they include shots of them or if, if she just finds that, oh, what's this thing? If she actually knows that it's him <sighs> at this point. That's so, a plot hole. So what'd you think? Is that it? It. Yes, that's it. I think all the things I said before, and also, I still feel very badly for Madeline. I, I'm not going to say that I don't sympathize with Scott's situation. I, I just feel like that, the the feeling of both sides that you have, just means that it's it's a good emotional story. It's not the most explainable for Scott's motivations and his actions. He's conflicted for entirely too long before actually saying or doing anything about it. But at least there's some... At least there's some conflict in him. Okay, but who is he? Who's the guy? What's his name? Who is he? Cameron Hodge. Who is he? I'm not going to tell you. That's ridiculous. Tell me. I'll look it up immediately. Why? Let's just talk about this story for a second. He's in it. Yeah, he's in it as their PR guy. That's all he is. That's all you need to know. I got to remember. It's going to come to me. I'm going to be sleeping and I'm going to be like, Cameron Hodge, he created. Wait a minute. Does Cameron Hodge have to do with Cassandra Nova? No. Dang it. Does Cameron Hodge Sentinel related? Stop. No. (laughs) Cameron Hodge (laughs) does experiments on mutants. Yes. And I know. Yeah, I mean, probably at some point. He's collecting them, so what does he do? But so now we have our (laughs) our new team, right? That that feels our new old new team. Our old what what's old is new again. Our our classic five operating with a a similar idea, but with a definitely different approach. Mm -hmm. Appealing to the fears of humanity. It's kind of messed up. Their approach. Yeah. I mean, I know that deep down it's rooted in something evil. Not on their side. They don't know that they're being rooted in something evil, but. Did you enjoy it? Yes. You seem to. You're asking all these questions. I, I like the fact that now I'm looking back at it and it's like, okay, that's how we get the original five back on a roster of some kind and in play to be able to. Because X Factor is X Factor until X Men number one from 1991. So for the next four or five years. Interesting. I mean, I do agree that it would be nice to be having other characters in the rotation and that we, you know, I'm not harping on it, but we're going to keep going back to the original five and we're going to keep resetting Magneto as the bad guy is a little like, why don't you try something new? I mean, at this point, they are having Magneto be the head of the school and that's... Is that story even happening? Yeah, right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that continues for almost that same amount of time. Okay. With some variation. There's a So Claremont's not writing X Factor. Claremont is not involved in X Factor at all. Until X Factor number five and six, when he's not directly involved, but Louise Simonson becomes the writer of X Factor. I see. And they start coordinating plots together. And that's where we get our first X-Men crossover, Mm. the Mutant Massacre. Yeah, I mean, I think 
it's an it's interesting. It's slightly infuriating, but it's also an interesting way to bring Jean back. Um, or she never actually died. Yeah. Yeah. Retcon Wranglers, man. Wrangled that retcon. That Just we did. Opened up a bunch more questions, though. Every time I think I know, I have no idea. You can't know at all. I mean, you can, but is it's it, true. Yeah, is no. it really satisfying just reading like a Wikipedia page of like, no, no, and then no, this no, happened, no, this no, happened, no, and then no. this happened? That's why I don't do it. I could. Yeah. I've thought about it. There are things I want to know, and I'm being patient. I have people grateful for people who message me, you should read this, you should read this. And I'm like, I want to. But. You can. I mean, uh, it's not, <laughs> if you want to read something, read something, because that's, at the end of the day, plan of the podcast is that you want to read stuff. Just yeah, I want to read Emma's origin story. That's fine. And I'm also reading. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I'm reading right now. If I'm supposed to keep it a secret. <laughs> you don't have to keep it a secret, but all right. Well, I I'm not saying I need your permission to tell people what I'm reading, but I guess I will keep it a secret. But just know that when we get to this particular mini series, I will have actually read it. You almost finished it today. Yeah. I was very excited to see that. I well, As soon as you took it out for me, I was ready to read it. My plan was always to read it today. I just, when I knew we weren't doing an episode about it today, I was like, well, I could also take a nap. <laughs> so I don't have anything else to say. Do you? Next well, week we'll have new comics. What do you think about Fantastic Four and the Avengers parts in this? Unnecessary? <laughs> Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was really just to boost sales. And yeah. this was a crossover before. I mean, it wasn't before crossovers because there were secret wars. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was there. It happened. It made the word get to the mutants, you know, in a more epic way. So that's that's fine. But did it need to be three issues? Probably not. Probably not. But that's but, how you, you tease something, something big like that. That's how you keep them coming back for more. Yeah. Are you interested in the Fantastic Four or the Avengers now? No, 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 no. I cannot <laughs> I cannot go down too many rabbit holes, okay? Good, good, because good, I don't want to. I mean, if you want to read them and explain them to me, that's fine. Not, No, thank you. Not going to happen. Not, Not yet, happen. anyway. What about Rusty? Thoughts on Rusty? He sticks around. No, Rusty sticks around. Wait a minute, so... Rusty Russell, was that really who that kid was supposed to be? Does Rusty kill Cable's family? No. Well, then. It's all, it's very loose connection, potentially inspired by the fact that Rusty is jailed because of his uncontrollable firepower. Got it. I mean, I feel bad for him. He seems to be going through it. Yeah. And he has a what could seemingly be a cool pyro-esque power. So. But he actually produces fire. Mm, yeah. So Which is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Into that. Well, that's all I got. We did it. So there you go. Until next time, old friend. Charles in space. He's in space but all the time. But he's really dead. <laughs>